This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hey, it's Rick from upstairs. Yeah, I take it seriously. When I play R&B at one in the morning, that's me saying, hey, I'm here for you. And I enjoy repetitive bass lines. I only use expired batteries in my smoke detectors. <laughs> nice, right? Yeah, upstairs neighbors help people forget their troubles. Give them something else to focus on. Ooh, want to see how high I can jump? Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor. No, wait, let me try again. But we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Ghost in the Night with Phil Sams. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ghost in the Night, a hauntings and paranormal podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to check out this podcast. Now, I've been talking about doing a how to investigate the paranormal series of episodes, and I think tonight is going to be the first one, and it's about you as an investigator. If you want to investigate the paranormal, there's some certain there's certain things you need to do. There's certain things you need to think about before making the leap, before jumping into the deep end of this, because there's a lot of there's a lot that goes along with this. There's a lot that has to be thought about. There's a lot that has to be done. It's not easy. It's not everything you see on television, and there is a danger to it. Let's be totally and completely honest. There is a danger to this. And you have to be aware of these dangers when you go into something like investigating the paranormal. And I want to start this one off by basically talking about you need to know yourself as an investigator. You need to know what kind of person you are. Now, I've covered a lot of this in bits and pieces in past episodes, but I want to kind of group them all together and give you one episode, or it's going to be multiple episodes, but one episode that will really drive home the facts that you need to take into account, the things you need to take into account about going into an investigation, how to do an investigation. But this is just a precursor. This is the pregame, essentially. You need to know yourself, and that is really the foundation of the house that you're building here. Now, when I say know yourself, you need to know how you react in certain situations. You need to know how your fight or flight, when it kicks in, which way do you go? If you are the type to be scared easily, there this might not be the best thing for you. Now, you can contribute to a team, and I'll talk about teams and the types of investigations later on in another episode, but you need to really focus and think about you. You need to be honest with yourself and know why you are doing this or why you are interested in the paranormal. Because let's be honest, if you are just interested in it because of you have a fondness for the paranormal reality shows. You love ghost adventures. You love ghost hunters. 
kindred spirits, all these shows, you love watching these type shows, then that's great. That's awesome that you enjoy watching those. But doesn't mean you should get out and actually do the work. Doesn't mean you should actually go out and do an investigation. Because that is like jumping into the deep end and not knowing how to swim. And then realizing once you're in the deep end that you don't like swimming. And you don't like drowning. So you need to take some precautions. You need to reflect on your personality, what scares you, what drives you to do these things, or what is the basis of your fascination? Is it to ask questions? Are you an adrenaline junkie? Do you want to find those answers to those questions? These are the kind of things you need to think about. These are the kinds of things you need to look deep inside yourself and realize and answer these before you make the leap. Now, if you are just a type of person that has a curiosity and want to experiment and experience going on an investigation, that's awesome. That's great. There's ways to do that without going on a, without joining a team and going on an actual investigation. There are all kind of events where you're, you can go to and actually investigate in a group of people. Now, it's not the most productive investigations necessarily because the more people that you have at a, a location, no matter the size, the more chances there are for contaminated evidence or experiencing something you can't explain, but there is a rational ex explanation because of noise pollution and things such as that or shadows you don't know, you can't account for everybody. So those are things you need to taken into account when you're doing those type of investigations, but that is a great way to get an, an introduction into the paranormal and get your feet wet and see if you like being in the dark, which you, know, you don't have to investigate in the dark. That's a myth, which I covered a couple episodes ago, the paranormal myth episode. Paranormal activity can happen whenever, but the most frequent time to investigate is overnight because of that is just when everybody does it. And I do like investigating in pitch black dark because it heightens my other senses. You know, my sense of smell, my sense, my hearing. When you can't see, your other senses heighten. And it's easier to become part of your environment. It's easier to read the energy in the room or the location, whatever you're at. But it takes, not everybody's comfortable with doing that type of investigation, sitting in a dark room by yourself and asking questions. And when you are uncomfortable, this is what I mean by know yourself. If you are uncomfortable in a situation where you are alone, you might get scared, then it might not be the best thing for you. Because if you do not enjoy those type of situations, if you are easily startled, if you do not like being alone in dark a dark room, especially an unfamiliar room, with the possibility of you not being alone, there might be some sort of spirit there. You need to know that because that's going to affect your investigation. That's going to affect you because you're going to be on high alert. You might look at something or see something or hear a knock 
and immediately jump the gun and say, ooh, that's paranormal. It's a ghost. No, not necessarily. But when you are heightened like that and you are uncomfortable, you're more likely to get a false positive when it comes to evidence. And that makes your job that much harder when you do go out and actually investigate and then review that recordings, whether it be video, audio, whatever. If you are not in a great mindset because you are fearful or because you're uncomfortable in those situations, then that is a problem. And I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm not saying this to be hurtful or to bust anybody's bubble, but that is what I mean by know yourself. And you can get away with, to a certain extent, like I said, go on a public investigation or join a team where solo investigating is not a priority, which that's fine. I I do both. I like to go out with a team, but I also like to, while I'm out with that team, go off to my, by myself, um, Randolph County um, Infirmary, that that investigation, I went to the basement by myself and just hung out, took in the atmosphere, asked questions, did an EVP session, just got in tune and tried to get sync up with that environment and get some answers that way. That is one way to do it, by joining a team, going on investigations where you're not obligated to sit by yourself in a dark room in a possible scary type situation, you can join a team and be around somebody at all times. That's fine. But just know you are missing part of the fun, essentially, and you are not going to get the full experience, and you might not get the best paranormal experience you can when you are with other people in a certain location. Because I do firmly believe that People's energy affects their surroundings, and if you are, if you've listened to me at all in the past, I greatly appreciate you, and you've heard me say this, our energy can affect an investigation. It's happened to me. I remember when I went to uh, Thornhaven Manor, which is supposedly one of the most haunted locations in the country. I was not in a great mindset. I was overhyped. It was a stressful day anyway, and I... Uh, did not have a productive investigation, did not really get anything. I was frustrated and because I wasn't getting anything. And then as the night went on and things, the experiences I was having were easily debunked. It just, that frustration grew and grew and grew. And by the time it got to be three, three o'clock or so, I was like, screw it, I'm out of here. And it's happened at other locations. Take it from me, even somebody who's been on multiple investigations, has had experiences all their life, still can affect the environment in a negative way. That is why your mindset is always so important. And knowing yourself, knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses is so very important. Now, another aspect of knowing yourself is, like I kind of spoke about earlier, is knowing why you want to get in the paranormal. Mine is simple. I've had experiences most of my life that I can remember. Even there's been stories of me having experiences that I don't remember when I was extremely, extremely young. So my fascination and my curiosity about the paranormal has 
been with me my whole life. But there was a little, the more I get into it, and I'm going to share a little with you here, but the more I get into this, the more, though I, let me rephrase that, the more I experience things in life, there's a little question that kept popping up in the back of my head, and especially now that I've had this podcast and went on multiple investigations, actual paranormal investigations, just not experiencing stuff in my own home or wherever I lived at the time. I've been doing this as research rather than just as somebody who experiences the paranormal. A question kept bugging me. It kept digging into my brain. And did all those experiences I've had as a younger child or through my adolescent days was a reason for it. When I look back at my childhood, how I grew up, the hardships that I had to endure, I mean, don't get me wrong, I would not change my life for anything, past, present, or future, but I didn't have a great childhood. Um, there was struggle. There was pain. Um, I had a wonderful mother who People who listen to the podcast, I've talked about her. She's been on a few live streams. I've mentioned her. Um, wonderful woman who did the best she could in a bad situation. And that, how can I put this? You know, this isn't the easiest thing to talk about and share. But, you know, my father was a dick. He was a full-blown, drop, drunk, alcoholic and made our lives living hell. And I kind of touched on this a little bit in another episode early on in the um, podcast series here. And I posed that, I started to pose this question then, but never elaborated on it, never went any further with it. Um, but I kind of said in that podcast, I forget which one it was, the experiences I had in that particular home that where most of my memories of paranormal activity happened was that, did that activity, was there something darker there? Was there something evil there? Was there something that did not have my best interests at heart, was looking to do harm to me and the family? Did it cause my childhood go in my home life to go sideways? That's a good question. But there's also another side to that coin. I don't like I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to this question. I'm just throwing this out there and trying to work it out in my head. This is kind of what drives me to answer this question. This is my why. If you've been in the business world or been in the motivational done some motivational learning, you know, some of these motivational speakers, you've heard them say, know your why. What drives you? This is what drove has driven me in the paranormal. And that is the answer to this, finding the answer to this question. And, but the flip side of this coin is maybe the activity or whatever was in that home at the time, which probably might have followed me through to other places because I was in my 
younger teenage years, I think up until 16, then we moved to another location and there was activity there. There was activity the place. Maybe this has been with me my whole life. I don't know. But the I always have kind of thought of it, always leaned toward maybe that my childhood and the struggles and the pain and the suffering that I had to endure as a teenager young to a young adult was caused by the, this, whatever was, this negative energy that was surrounding this place, surrounding us at the time. But like I said, there's a flip side to that. Did that, maybe it's possible that this negative energy was not the cause, but it could have been the introduction. It could have opened the door. All the negative energy that my father put out there, all the negative things that happened in that home, the situations that we were put in, did that open a door? Did that draw something a little darker? Did it just, you know, throw up a light and like a moth to a flame, the negative, saw the negativity that was there and it just opened the door, came through it and just wreaked havoc. So this is what drives me. This is what I'm looking for an answer to. This is what I'm looking to answer. So that is kind of my why. I mean, it goes a little bit deeper than that. But that's kind of the sum of it. That is what sparked my interest and sparked my curiosity into the paranormal. But that might not be your experiences. And I'm not saying this is the only reason to be into the paranormal. I'm just saying this is why I do it. You need to find your reason for it. No matter what it is, you need to find your reason and your drive to do this and get into this field and try to search for answers. I mean, let's face it, let's you're not going don't do it now to get famous. That ship has done sailed. The odds of that happening are slim to none because there are so many people that have teams, people that have podcasts like my and I'm one of those people. People who have YouTube channels that are diving into this. The pool is big now. So getting noticed, it's not like the old days with ghost hunters and ghost adventures where nobody talked about this and there was an interest in it and they just took the people who were available. Now there's a lot of us. So getting famous and rich off this ain't happening. You, It's like you have to get struck by lightning. You know, fire lightning in a bottle for that to actually happen. Now you can have some success. That's great. But that can't be your driving force, honestly. If that's going to be your driving force to get into the paranormal, find something else. But if you have a curiosity, you want to know what is out there, what is going on in the supernatural world, in the afterlife. And even if there is an afterlife, you know, there's no guarantees in any of this. You have to be open to all that. You need to have a drive or curiosity to answer these questions. That's f for the best. And you will have 
a more fulfilling experience that way. If you know your why, know what you want to do when it comes to the paranormal, know what you're searching for. So number one tip, like I said, is know your why, know why you want to do this and know what type of person you are and be honest about it. All of this, you need to be honest with yourself and don't sugarcoat it because, and here's why this is very important because this is going to be about, this is going to show you how to investigate and it's going to show you, you're going to experience things once you do make the leap and once you start going into places that have reported activity or get called by people who are experiencing things, once you start putting yourself into the, these type situations, you're going to get scared. So I don't want you to think that I'm never get scared or all these investigators never get scared. But you have to have a good baseline. You have to be comfortable in those you know, situations where you are alone, you are in the dark, and knowing that something might happen or you might interact with something or something might get, you know, it might get creepy. You have to be comfortable with that because, and this is the most important thing, if you're not comfortable with that, you're going to find it and you're going to blow it up and things, you, you might even miss something. And plus, if you are comfortable in that situation, on average, you're not scared of the dark. You're not starting to sweat bullets when you're alone in a place that has activity. If you're not, that's not in you. That's not how you react to certain situations. You will get into a situation. And trust me, you will get into a situation where you're going to be in a location and you are going to get that fear. And if that is the exception, not the rule, then you're like, okay, wait a minute. I don't generally react like this. I, my body does not react like this in most in this situation. There might be something here. So that gives you a lead into asking questions and leads, gives you a lead into investigating. It gives you a starting off point to move the investigation further. But if you're the type of person who's always jumpy, in those type of situations, you're never going to truly know that, hey, this could be something here. Let's move into that. And you also need to realize that might happen. I have two scenarios or two different investigations come to my mind. And I've documented them both on YouTube videos. And I've covered some of them. I believe I've covered them on the podcast. I know that one, one of the more interesting ones was the Haunted Dollhouse. You know, this was just a small little residential home that is basically, uh, I, don't, I don't even think they, I don't think it's open anymore. I don't think they let you investigate there anymore. But it is basically a house with a bunch of dolls in it, a bunch of paranormal artifacts in it. And I, like, like you probably know, I've said this, I don't get freaked out too easy. Now, if you've never been on an investigation, then I'm going to tell you, kind of give you a brief summary of how things go. You go to these type haunted locations. There's somebody there, gives you a little walk around, kind of talks about what activities there. Now, you don't have to do this. 
I'm the type of investigator. I like to know what kind of activity that has been reported. Um, I like to know what's going on. That way I can look for to validate that or to debunk it. I'm not one of these investigators that wants to just go in empty handed, you know, a blank slate and just let it all come to me. I like to know what is, uh, has been reported there. So that is why I enjoy, and I always go on these kind of, before the investigation starts, they kind of give you a tour. And we were doing a little tour in this. Some of us were, not everybody. And trust me, this place was so freaking small. This studio is not that much smaller than this house, that house. But we went into one room, which was the front door, or was the living room where the front door was actually in that room. So when you walk into the place, you walk into this room, this family room or living room, whatever you want to call it, first. And then there's another room off to the right. And then you go into that room. There's another room to the left of that, and then it just circles back to the kitchen, then you're back into the living room. So, super small. I walk in this place, and, okay, a bunch of dolls, which dolls can be creepy, even though I'm not scared of dolls, but they do add to the atmosphere. They do make it a little bit more creepier, especially if there's reported hauntings or attachments to some of these artifacts, some of these dolls, and it just wasn't dolls, but a majority of them were dolls. Walked in, not creepy, so we start the, I don't want to say tour, He, this person is just kind of giving us a history, talking about the activity. We kind of walk into different rooms, and we circle back, and we come back, end up in that living room again, where we started. And as, as I was there, you know, I was looking around, and you know, I was starting to get hot, what the hell was that? I'm losing my mind. Where was I? Oh, I was starting to get hot. You know, I was kind of starting to sweat a little bit. And I started getting sick. I don't want to say sick, but I started getting a little nauseous. And I didn't really feel particularly well. And I was like, wow, this is kind of weird. And it just hit me all of a sudden. Um, The actual tour was over she had just left and i was telling the people who i was there with you know i was like i don't really feel well in this room so i immediately said okay i was thinking in my head okay now am i starting to get sick or is there something in the environment in you know interacting with me causing me to feel nauseous because that sometimes can happen you know you might get hot you might get cold you might get nauseous so I said, let me go to another room and kind of chill out and see how I feel. Walked into another room, started to feel better. Walked back into the living room. It hit me again. I said, okay, this is this is interesting. It, was, it seemed like it was condensed into this room. But then it kind of, as I stayed there and was fighting through it and kind of looking around, you know, getting a lay of that room and absorbing the energy a little bit. I was like, okay, I'm starting to feel better. And it was gone. And it was gone. And that's happened fairly quickly. I was like, almost like something left the room. Now, let's 
start investigating. So we investigated. We did hear some noises, you know, some weird noises, but outside contamination. It was in this, you know, an old subdivision. There was a main road not too far away, so you can't get too caught up on audio evidence because of there's no way to 100% know anything was going on there. Now, we did have some people who had some um, abilities, empaths, uh, people who do consider themselves medium-type people. They were getting an evil, I don't want to say evil, they were getting some negative energy. They were picking up on some negative energy. And I was like, okay, cool. So we went to the another room. We did a ghost box session. And we were getting some weird responses, and we were getting some very interesting responses as well. Of, And they were very, they coincided with a lot of the stuff we heard or we learned about the place. You know, what the history of this place. They were kind of talking, you know, maybe there was type of a brothel at one time ran out of this place. and Maybe some prostitution. And we were kind of getting responses like that, that really kind of joined up. Now, could have been a coincidence, you know, ghost, there's, ghost box is not 100% proof of anything. You can't solely prove you are talking to something in the spirit world or talking to a spirit or talking to a demon, talking to a ghost. Can't prove it. And if I'm being honest, more often than not, you're just getting chatter and you're just connecting some dots. Especially when things, when you're just getting one word answers. But we were getting some tunes, you know, some words strung together, which is weird, especially when it's being played backwards. I know your brain does want, I know people are going to say, oh, but you're just, your brain just, well, you're hearing what you want to hear. Very true. But you have to. That's why you have to be a little bit more seasoned and you seasoned and you have to be a little bit more skeptical. You can't go look get a response on the ghost box and immediately think this is a spirit talking. You have to filter through it. You have to go through everything. What question was asked? How did it respond? And look at the ghost box to, and kind of see where it hit and you know then keep asking questions and are you always getting a hit at that one spot odds are then it is something being picked up but you know was it multiple words did other people hear the same thing you know you have to go through a checklist to kind of rationalize or prove that it is par paranormal or prove you might be in contact with something else and that's no guarantee i mean the jury's still out there's some people that live by a ghost box there's other people that think it's complete junk and it's nothing you know i'm in the middle i lean i'm more skeptical of it than most i'm not going to sit there and say a ghost box re response is proof of the paranormal unless it meets certain criteria Unless you're hearing some things that you should not hear on the open airways. And I'll get to act. Well, we were at another location and we got the word fuck. 
and just yelled, fuck, we were asking questions, not really provoking, but asking stern questions, you know, trying to have a serious conversation with whatever was there and try to not provoke, but actually just, hey, we want to talk to you. And it let out a fuck, a, a frustration, you know, how you, you know, when you get frustrated, you go, fuck, that's what it let out. And, you know, I believe I even did a video on it. So, you know, that, that was more curious because, A, you're not going to hear that if it is just a radio chatter. You're not going to hear that word. I mean, it, you're never going to hear that word on the open airways because they get fine. But it makes it a little bit more interesting. Now, now am I saying that was 100% proof of the paranormal? No. I'm not saying we were in contact with the spirit. I'm saying it's interesting and we have to match it up with other experiences, other devices, and kind of put it all together and get a picture. And that's what you need to do when you do an investigation. But my point is, getting back, oh, well, got really sidetracked there. But at this dollhouse, you know, I'm cool, calm, and collected there. Wasn't feeling particularly well in one room. It went away and didn't come back. We were getting some darker responses, some it even said Satan, and which is I've gotten that a few times. I think it's freaking funny when I get Satan on a ghost box. And, you know, one of the people with abilities who was very sensitive said there was something evil in the kitchen or in that direction. So my butt got up and walked in the kitchen, started doing an investigation there, started asking questions with a recorder, video camera, trying to interact with whatever's there because I'm not scared of that type of investigation. I'm not scared of coming in contact with something that is a little darker, a little, a little bit more evil. I'm not scared of it because I firmly believe, and I've kind of, I've talked about, you know, how to protect yourself in the past and I have a different take than most people do, but I'm not afraid of it. And I project that strength. I'm not going to back down from that fight, you know, just for, you know, I'm being figurative, not literal, even though it could be an actual fight. Like I said, this is a dangerous thing. If there is a chance you could get attached, attachment or something could come home with you, there is always that possibility. But I know myself, I don't fear that type of situation. And the point is, when I do kind of get that fear, now, okay, this is kind of weird. Okay, I don't necessarily feel like this normally then there might be something to it and it happened this happened again at another location in the beginning of an investigation i forget where it was i think maybe it was wickland manor down in kentucky i think that's where it was right off the top of my head but you know walking through that place i was just getting heavy feelings in certain areas in certain rooms this was a big a big a pretty big house, you know, a big, big old house. And in different rooms and in the basement, there was, basements are always creepy. I think everybody gets a little creeped out in the basement. But, you know, basement was a little, was a little creepy, not the creepiest room in there. Upstairs in one of the bedrooms was super creepy. And then I had an experience later on. But just walking around, kind of getting the lay of the land, I was getting heavy feelings in certain spots or certain rooms and then later on in the investigation we were doing an investigation in a, one of the bedrooms 
we were getting some, we were using a ghost box as well for some of the time, getting some weird responses. People were kind of hearing some, I was with another investigator and then a third investigator showed up about halfway through the session. We were getting some, we were hearing some noises, getting some good interaction, hearing some knocks, you know, not necessarily in proof of intelligent type hauntings, but we were asking questions and I got, I, I did a video about this and called it ghost slap. I kind of got touched on the face rather roughly. I mean, it wasn't a slap, but it was like that. And, you know, I immediately started getting sick. I mean, I had to leave the room. Now, that is not in my character. 99.9% of the time, I would have been fine in that room by myself doing that with nobody there. Just sitting there by myself asking questions. But I started to get sick immediately. And I've been touched before. I have been, you know, pushed. I've been yanked. Almost, I've been yanked to the point where it's turned me around almost. Laying in bed. You've heard me talk about that. So this was just a little, you know, a little tap. A love tap is what I like to call it. But I got sick. I I mean, my head was hurting. It was almost instant. My, I was getting nauseous. Felt like I was going to throw up immediately. Now, was that my body reacting to the situation? Was I picking up on something? Or was it one hell of a coincidence? I don't know. But I know I generally don't react that way in that situation. So that lends in my mind, a little bit more credibility to that experience. And that is very important to prove this by your other experiences or by what else is going on in the room, by other equipment, documenting it from different angles. So if you are skittish in those situations, you're going to have a lot more false positive. You're going to feel like that in every situation. And that's going to hamper your ability to investigate the paranormal and to investigate properly. I'm not saying it can't be done, but it's just going to make your life that much more difficult or your paranormal life that much more difficult. All right. So the next thing I want to branch out a little bit further on that a little bit. We have know your why. Why do you want to investigate? Now I talked about knowing yourself. You need to know yourself in the terms of what kind of investigator you want to be. Once you've made the commitment or made the choice to actually go into the paranormal field or the paranormal world, or at least become an active member and go out looking for these experiences, trying to answer these questions, putting yourself out there, where are you best suited? So you know if you're skittish, you know you don't want to do a lot of solo investigations. And you definitely would want to join a team or do some research, find somebody or a group of people, whether it be one, two, three, or an actual paranormal team who have similar interests and go move forward from there. Now, when you're looking for a team, there are a dime a dozen, let's be honest. Um, There's some definite things you need to think about. Size of the team is very important. The bigger the team, the more, the harder it is to get true documentation or proved documentation is actually 
possibly paranormal, especially if you're in a, you know, you're in a location with 20, 30 people, makes it difficult because of, like I said earlier, noise contamination. But if you're on a smaller team, then, you know, that might be a good, good idea because, you know, limits to that you can account for everybody. Or it could be a bigger team that doesn't, not everybody shows up. You know, they only do four or five main teams. You know, you have to ask questions. You have to find out how they investigate. What are their priorities? Are they looking to have fun? Are they looking to document? What is the cost? Because these paranormal places or these places with activity cost money, especially the big ones. I've investigated several locations that have been featured on multiple different shows. Those cost money. This has become a business. And you need to know what type of investigator you are. Know how, what team you, how they handle that. Do they put all the money in a pot or do they just say, we're going here, here's how much it costs, which is pretty much how we do it. You know, hey, this place costs X, X amount of dollars. We, you know, I want five, six, eight people to go or three people to go, whatever it is. Here's how much it's going to cost if this many people go or if this many people go. You know, that's pretty much how we do it. Or do you just put money into the pot and then you draw from that? But ask questions and get to know these people. Go out with them once or on a, you can go on an investigation or just meet them because personalities have to jive. You don't have to be BFFs with everybody, but you do have to be cordial. You have to get along to a certain extent because what I'm going to talk about in a little bit is mental or probably in the next episode is going to be you have to be mentally prepared to investigate and if you are on a team where you do not get along or you do not like Joe Blow or Sandy Sue you don't interact well with them it changes your mindset it puts you in a negative frame of mind like I was talking about how I was at Thornhaven, did not get anything. I was frustrated, and it just snow, snowballed, and I had to fucking, I had to leave. That, you know, if you don't get along with the uh, people you're on a team with, then that could be an issue. Now, you might be able to fight through that, but it might not put you in the best possible position to catch evidence or experience something. So you need to really focus on your mental game and I'll kind of go more into that in the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode. This is just part one of the how to investigate the paranormal series of episodes. Now part two, I don't know if part two will be next week or the week after. Just look for it. I have some other things I need to talk about and go over in future episodes. So I don't know exactly how I'm going to order them. I want to kind of keep them, keep these episodes close together because I don't really even know how many episodes there's going to be. I mean, I have it outlined out, but, you know, that's subject to change. So be on the lookout. I'll follow me on Twitter at night underscore ghost for updates on the series of episodes and just standard episodes. Um, don't forget, I generally go live on Sundays at 8 o'clock. I didn't go live last Sunday because I'm old and I overdid it cutting the grass going for a walk I couldn't get out of bed and the thought of going down the stairs to my studio here 
it hurt me just thinking about it. So I did not go live. This comes with getting old. One day, you young people that listen to me will feel this. Your body starts falling apart. So I apologize for not going live. Um, but I will go live this upcoming Sunday, probably at 8 o'clock. Follow me on Twitter, like I said, night underscore ghost, or follow me on Facebook, where is which is where I go live. That's Ghost in the Night. I always go live from Facebook, and those episodes come out on Thursday. I record them Sunday. They come out on Thursday. I've been trying to do you know an episode in between that to release Tuesday, Wednesday as well. So I'm trying to give you guys two episodes a week. So follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. You'll find out the game plan for the episodes. Um, what else? What else? What else? Hmm. Do have a Patreon page. If you want to show support to this podcast, you like what I'm doing. Um, I do do some bonus content on that Patreon page that is only for patrons. So become a patron of the Patreon page, and that is patreon.com slash GITN podcast. Greatly appreciate that. But really, if you really want to support the show, just share this, subscribe to it on however you listen to your podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to like it, subscribe to it, share it. I would greatly appreciate it. Or if you just listen to the audio version with Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Google Play, whatever it is. I can't keep up with it. They change it so often. Um, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. However you take in the audio version of this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it. Be sure to share it with other people who you know enjoy the paranormal. I would greatly appreciate it. And as always, let me know what you think. What do you think about this podcast episode, I should say? What do you feel is important to get started? To get, Do you agree with me that you need to know yourself, know your why? What is your why? Reach out to me. Send me an email at gitmpodcast at gmail.com or hit me up on one of the social media accounts, Twitter, Facebook, preferably. I am on Instagram at ghost underscore night underscore podcast. But Twitter and Facebook, I'm more active and I'm actually more active on Twitter than Facebook, but I'm trying to get better. So Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I greatly appreciate each and every one of you. I enjoy the emails that I do get. I might start sharing those a little bit more often. But I think that's going to wrap it up. Be sure to tune in to the live shows on Facebook on Sundays at 8 o'clock. And I will give updates on that. I have some things I need to announce here coming soon. So we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. I don't know. What do y'all think we should da da da? Well, what did we do yesterday? Mm, yesterday. All oh, the dolls feel like the same doll these dolls. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. <gasps> oh no, I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh no! Oh, no!
These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not to da or any da. Quote to da at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Is QuickBooks slowing your business down? Do you have challenges managing inventory, project profitability, or just getting paid fast enough? Get your business to a better place and graduate to NetSuite today. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it. Ditch the spreadsheets and all the old software you've outgrown. Now is the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need, all in one place, instantaneously. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in revenue, save time and money with NetSuite. Join the over 24,000 companies using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com boost. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com boost. netsuite.com boost.